Hey. It's Tyler. And it's Cassie. Is that our intro? (laughs) I don't know. We're two haters. It's our first podcast episode. It's so awkward and bad. It's great. It's going to be great. Okay, sure. (laughs) How's it going? How are you? Oh, I'm pretty good, you know, uh, minus my internet not wanting me to record anything. You know, I'm sitting in my living room almost on the floor just to use the Ethernet cable, but, you know. Do you think that's a sign that we shouldn't be doing this? <laughs> I think it's a sign that I need better internet and probably a better computer. How are you, Cassie? I am good. I, you know, I slept in today. We had a plan to record earlier, and I was like, no. <laughs> so... Well, you know, that's fair. I I was up until two finishing this, so the end's going to be something. Um, Dedication. No, procrastination. All right, that works too. Yeah. Uh, what's your fun fact for the week? Are we doing that yet? <laughs> I mean, I don't know what's going on. Okay, here we go. My God, I cannot handle the amount of people who come into the clinic not wearing masks. Not a fun fact, but good Lord. I mean, yeah. Do you want to preface that saying what you do for a living? For sure. So, hey, guys, um, first episode. So you don't know. I'm Tyler. I'm a doctor of physical therapy in Arkansas. Um, And for those of you keeping up with the covid crisis, I mean, I'm sure everyone is. Arkansas cases are kind of bonkers right now. People are not wearing masks like they should. So every week, it's a fun, 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 fun time with people coming in, coughing. This week, we had someone throwing up in the middle of the clinic. They would take their mask off to throw up in the clinic and then put it back on. Yeah, it was was great. Oh, God. It's a mess. Damn. Well, all right. Well, I guess I'll tell what I do. I mean, I'm Cassie. I'm a technical writer for a medical company, but I am fortunate enough to work at home through this whole thing. So I don't have to deal with people, A, not wearing masks and B, not taking them off to throw up because that's horrifying. I mean, would you rather them throw up in their mask? I mean, ideally, I'd rather them not be throwing up at all. But Well, I mean, in a perfect world, sure. Sure. Sometimes you just got to let it out, right? I mean, (laughs) I'm going to use this opportunity to segue from that conversation into a little statement Thanks for tapping your mic right You're in the welcome. statement. <laughs> um, Tyler and I are cousins, and we are two white people in the South. I live in Nashville. Tyler lives in central Arkansas. Um, and so we kind of just wanted to put this out here in our first episode that, A, we're both um, fans of science and believers in science. <laughs> and right now we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so we just wanted to say that, we're mask supporters. I mean, I, that sounds so weird to say who would have thought like all the zombie movies were correct. Like people are going to be like, no, I'm not wearing mask. <laughs> well, I mean, it's people our ages too, that are making the numbers skyrocket right now. Cause they want to go to the freaking beach and not wear their mask. And then they don't anyway. There there's that. <laughs> yeah. And then I, I think what it's also important as, you know, white people To acknowledge that right now we're kind of in this historical movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, which for America is long way overdue to start talking about some of the stuff that we're talking about. And I think I can speak for both of us when we say that this has been a very um, 
learning an educational moment for us um, to stop and learn things that we didn't even think about learning because we were so privileged to not have to learn it. For sure. And just, you know, both of us growing up in Arkansas, there's just lots of stuff that we didn't even perceive as even remotely racist. We just thought it was normal. And we, you know, just because we don't actively, we don't think we're racist doesn't mean we don't buy into things that we've been taught our entire lives that are inherently racist. And it's just something that, you know, it's hard. It's, you know, it's a continuous learning process and just trying to educate yourself on all the ways that, you know, systemic racism affects this country. Yeah. hundred percent agree. It's, it's been an unfortunate eye-opening experience that we have to um, realize all the things that we've been taught are inherently racist and, we just grew up thinking they were normal because we had the privilege to do that. And I also, we are recording this uh, in the last week of June, which is Pride Month. So happy Pride, Tyler. Happy Pride, Cassie. So disclaimer, neither Cassie or I are experts in what we were going to talk about today. More than likely, we found most of our information on the internet probably wikipedia so there will more than likely be errors and if you find any errors and you happen to be an expert in this topic we'd love to hear about it yeah agree i don't if there are experts on my topic i'll be extremely surprised because i feel like i'm up there in my knowledge so not that i'm an expert but you'll see you'll see when we get to my topic because i know you're gonna love it so much Oh god it's technical writing isn't it no but thank you for dissing my career. <laughs> All right. So before we get started on our topics, we have decided to each pick out a fun fact of the week, and it can be about anything. So, Tyler, what is your random fun fact? <laughs> Do you not have one? <laughs> well, my random fun fact's about my topic, and if we're not doing that yet, I'll have to give you another random fun fact. What's your random fun fact? So, you know, in America, there's this practice of surrogacy, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's, um, what do we do in America? We are like, hey, you do this for me, I'll pay you a shit ton of money. Did you know, in Canada, that's illegal. Surrogacy has to be for free. Oh my gosh, so you can't pimp out your womb? You can't pimp out your womb, it's illegal. But... It's such a lucrative money-making opportunity. No, that is your American conditioning. Yes, but they pay so much. Ah, you're right. It's bad. It's bad, right? And I watched an interview with someone, and she was Canadian, and she was a surrogate. And she was like, yeah, and I, I think it's better because we do it for the right reasons. We don't do it to make money. Oh, here, I do have an actual fun fact. Here we go. So, right now, if you are in the southeast part of North America, you are experiencing something that we don't normally get to see a lot of called the Sahara Dust. Fun fact about the Sahara Dust is it can actually bring particles over from Africa, and when they land over here, it can grow types of plants that would otherwise not have grown here, kind of like an invasive species. Interesting. It's kind of like... Aliens. (laughs) Right? So imagine what it's doing to our lungs right now. Oh, I'd rather not. I mean, we're growing all sorts of weird African plants down there. Yeah, 2020 is weird. It's a weird time, man. Remember when people were like, oh man, 2016 was the worst year. Yeah. Who knew? And then they're like, 2017's the worst year. 
I did see something that I it was like on TikTok, so who knows if this is accurate. <laughs> but it was like what? <laughs> why are you getting your information? <laughs> Shut up. Hi, I'm Cassie. Like, I do my research on TikTok. It was like, what you if... You see my cool dance? Shut up. Let me say it. it was like, what if the Mayan calendar was like dyslexic and it was supposed, <laughs> instead of 2012, it was supposed to be 2021. And now I'm like on board. What if next year's it? What if that's it? That's the end. Um. So in an effort to combat competitive nature we are gonna do rock paper scissors to see who goes first every week love it so it could be me going first every week i know yeah not gonna happen ready rock Rock. (laughs) wait ah god paper scissors shoot i can't see what you had i had scissors i think you lied i couldn't see it no uh, um no i win all right right, fine do you want to go again no no. All right. You go first. Cassie, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. If I were to ask you what animal hoots, chirps, and or bellows, what would you say that animal was? An owl. Close. It's a dinosaur. Yay. I love dinosaurs. I'm so excited. Cassie, why are you such a hater? Why do you hate dinosaurs? I don't even understand. Listen, you know I had a traumatic experience (laughs) when we were younger on a dinosaur ride, and it kind of scarred me for life. Cassie, you were 19. I was not. I was like 11. Oh, oh, you're talking about the Gatlinburg one. I thought you were talking about when we were at Disney World. So just a (laughs) little backstory. Our family used to take trips to Gatlinburg, Tennessee all the time, and I loved it there. There's this ride there called like Jurassic Jungle something. And when I saw it, I was like, a jungle ride. Oh, my God. Yay, monkeys. She Ooh, can't so what she's it's a I'm Jurassic. <laughs> I miss the ju- First of all, I've never seen Jurassic Park. Like, I didn't watch that when I was a kid. So I guess maybe I didn't even know what Jurassic meant. Who knows? <laughs> Went on this Jurassic ride. It started out all happy-go-lucky. There were monkeys everywhere. And then dinosaurs started eating the monkeys. <laughs> and then there I have a part- problem with that. There were no monkeys. I, it was on the ride. I don't know what to tell you. And then at the end of the ride, we were in this like boat with water. And then a dinosaur comes up under the boat and starts lifting it up. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to fall out. I'm going to fall out and drown. A dinosaur is going to eat me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> there you. I mean, that's I just have no interest in dinosaurs. One of my favorite memories ever was of Disney World because somehow we peer pressured Cassie into riding the dinosaur ride. But my favorite picture of all time is just this picture in Cassie's face is sheer terror, but she doesn't know what to do. She's just looking at the dinosaur and you can tell that she's either A, about to die, pee herself, or both. A combination of both. It's fantastic. It's <laughs> my favorite I, thing ever. I think I was on the verge of passing out because I, like, I just need to get out of the situation. <laughs> so, obviously, my topic is dinosaurs. I mean... Come on now. We've been rambling on for like five minutes about dinosaurs. But let me ask you this, Cassie. Do you, what even is a dinosaur? What constitutes it being a dinosaur versus just a large lizard creature? I don't, I've always heard them described as prehistoric, but even that term sounds weird to me because how can something be prehistory if it's part of history? 
Well, because it's pre-zero, pre-what we count as modern history. So, you know, like millions of years ago. Um, ironically, I didn't really realize this, but there were there were mammals around the same time as dinosaurs. I did not did not even remotely occur to me that that was possible, but there you go. Okay, so Cassie, prepare to get learnt about dinosaurs. I'm prepared. Okay, great. So basically, a dinosaur is considered a diverse group of large reptiles, but they can also be really small too. So not a great definition. <laughs> Dumb definition. I know. <laughs> Um, they are part of the clad Dinosauria and are thought to have first appeared around 243 million years ago during the Jurassic period. So we're going to talk about three main periods today. We're going to talk about the Jurassic period, the Jurassic period, and the Cretaceous period. It's a lot, so let's get started. So for the first 42 million years that dinosaurs existed, they weren't the apex predators that we think of when we think of dinosaurs. In fact, the first dinosaur, the Nyasasaurus, butchered it, Nyasasaurus, <laughs> we're going with it, walked the earth. Um, not much is known about it because they've only found like partial skeletons, but it's thought to be the size of a large kangaroo. So basically, it was a giant lizard kangaroo. Why did they pick kangaroo? <laughs> I mean, it's a fucking giant lizard kangaroo that was on its feet, had a big ass tail, kind of looked like a kangaroo. Oh, God. Uh, yep. are, are kangaroos dinosaurs? No, they're marsupials. <laughs> oh, got it. All right. Cool. I mean, they might be. A, I don't know. Like fucking everything's probably a dinosaur at this point. I think they're mammals, Cassie. Anyway, so around 201.3 million years ago, the Jurassic Jurassic extinction event happened. And basically, it killed all of the things that filled the higher apex predator niches, um, specifically the Ryashuians. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That, that sounds right. I approve. <laughs> That's so bad <laughs> and not correct at all. These super weird R-word monster things looked like giant crocodiles with very long hind legs that walked on land and ate everything. But good news, at the TRJ extinction event, they died out. They were gone. They were completely gone. Everything dies, except like a shit ton of stuff doesn't die. Like dinosaurs, they're fine. They're like, oh, cool. Hey, let's, uh, let's like do shit now. Pretty much a lot of larger life forms died out during this extinction event and it left a hole and, you know, basically... There was opportunistic evolution of these smaller creatures, dinosaurs, to kind of fill that area that was left vacant. So, you know, these giant crocodile monsters died, but ironically, crocodilomorphs, which are the ancestors of modern day crocodilians, they survived because those bastards are resilient. They're still here today. They've been around for like over 200 million years. That's ridiculous. I'm so, what, what were they called again? Crocodilomorphs. <laughs> Sounds like an animorph, right? Like they're going to turn Who into people. Who these? <laughs> I don't know. Someone got drunk. It was like, that sounds good. All right. So after this extinction event, dinosaurs were allowed to take their rightful place as apex predator. Now that we're in prime time dino land, let's get a little bit more specific about our scaly and or feathered friends. Did you write that? I did. Mm, creative. It wasn't. Shut up. <laughs> 
<laughs> Dinosaurs are typically classified into two large orders. Serachia. <laughs> it, sounded, it sounded like you were speaking parcel tongue. <laughs> Sarishia. Sarishia. Um, which basically translates from Greek to lizard hipped. Mm. So this is going to be, pelvises are going to be important for dinosaur classification. So remember that. And the next one is Orinthischia. Orinthischia. Mm. Orinthischia. Orinthischia? Bird-hipped. So these are all about pelvises. Ironically, the terms lizard-hipped and bird-hipped are misnomers because birds actually evolved from dinosaurs with lizard hips. So I thought that was weird, but Okay. And why I don't understand why hips are so important, but because it's the basically the way the hips were is uh, bird hipped individuals have hips like hip bone structure that is more similar to modern birds than the lizard hips do, and the lizard hips have bone structures that are more similar to modern day lizards. Fascinating. I mean, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> can you so tell by the tone in my voice that I'm loving this? I know. I can tell the tone is great. Now that you know all about dinosaur pelvises, let's dive deeper into each category. So this is like the probably the funnest category, and that's the Sarishia order, which can further be divided into two suborders, uh, Theropoda, Think Jurassic Park, big bipedal carnivorous beast. And then think of Sauropodomorpha, which is basically like our friendly little foot from the land before time. Oh, I love the land before time. Good. I knew you did. I put a special part in here just about dinosaurs you might like. I mean, that maybe makes me cry. Well, it's a sad, sad, unfactual movie. But anyway. Um rude <laughs> that's the, no disagree it's factual okay I have, anyway. I have nothing to back up this conclusion anyway. theropods are characterized by hollow bones and three-toed limbs and were animals that ate everything else ancestrally they were all carnivorous but they did evolve becoming herbivores omnivores insectivores and pescivores all known theropods are thought to have been bipedal but some could have switched between quadruped and therapod Theraped. God, that was terrible. <laughs> You're doing great. Um, and many had shortened forelimbs, you know, little tiny T-Rex arms. But we're going to talk more about those in a minute because they're they're amazing. Mm. So the the suborder Theropoda can be divided into four main infra orders, but the only one I'm going to discuss is, and this is how you say it, Tetanure. All right. Yeah, that's fun. Also known as stiff tails. So the Tetanure suborder includes most theropod dinosaurs. Tetanurians defined as theropods more closely related to modern birds than Certosaurus, Certosaurs, and contain the majority of predatory dinosaur diversity. Side note, I wasn't planning on talking about the Cerosaur, but it's kind of interesting. So they had like a very distinctive horn like right behind their nostrils and like that was super uncommon and they were very uncommon. They were actually in reference to other dinosaurs of like same size and like same role. They were herbivores. It was like one to every seven other dinosaurs. So they were super rare making them basically a dinosaur unicorn. That's pretty cool. Actually, I thought it was pretty neat. <laughs> But anyways, uh, Tetanurians can be divided into divisions, subdivisions, and families. 
now that you're all bored with like all this super fun subdivisions, divisions, I don't, they're very confusing. Half the times they call them a clad, then they're a super family, but also a family, but also a division. I don't know. I feel like I'm in a college class right now and it's like 12 o'clock and I'm just trying not to fall asleep. (laughs) Well, you know what? This is hard. I can't wait to hear what you tell me about because I'm just going to be like, you suck. It's far more fascinating. Okay, sure it is. Whatever. (laughs) So, Cassie, um, I just want to give you a forewarning that the following dinosaurs I picked specifically because I thought you would hate them the most. I appreciate that. You're so welcome. I just want to make sure that we just get that out of here. So when you make the, you know, inevitable noise, everyone will know why. Just remember, you're going first and I'm going second. So revenge is in your future. (laughs) Anyway, so we're going to talk about this lovely super family called the Megalosauridae. Um... And it gives us many torture options for you, but I thought that the Spinosaurus was by far the best. So the Spinosaurus is debatably the largest carnivorous dinosaur predator to ever exist. It's pretty fucking huge. Like this thing could grow up to 52 feet in length. That's a long boy. It is a long boy and could freaking weigh up to seven and a half tons. For reference of like current living animals, it was the length of a humpback whale and could weigh as much as an African bush elephant. Cool. Yeah, yeah, no, it's a uh, it's terrifying, but let's talk about why they're actually called a spinosaurus. Any any guesses? Do they all have scoliosis? Well, yeah, kind of. Like their spines were definitely like curved. Whoop. Hell yeah, I nailed it. I'm a paleontologist now. Yeah, but let's talk about what they had growing out of their spines. They had spikes that could grow up to 5.4 feet in length. (laughs) That's how tall I am. And they were covered in flesh. They had a gross flesh sail on their back. Oh, wait, it gets better. So let's talk about their skulls. Their skulls were long and narrow, kind of like a modern crocodile, but they're... um, uh, most distinctive characteristic other than their large flesh sail was their tail, which they could use in water to propel themselves. Okay. Why aren't any of these dinosaurs in movies? These are, Oh, this one is we're getting oh, to it. Okay. All right. All right. <clears throat> so this dinosaur is thought to have been an opportunistic predator, basically like a giant crocodile grizzly bear, and they could thrive on land and in the water. If this dino sounds familiar to you, Cassie, which it won't because you've never seen this movie, this was the big baddie in Jurassic Park World 3, World 3, Park 3, there we go. It was the main bad guy and it can be seen snapping a Tyrannosaurus's neck. The bad guy. There's a bad guy in Jurassic World. Yes, Every no Jurassic Park. And yes, oh, there always is. One of the dinosaurs is bad and scary. Are they bad or are humans just awful and they kind of deserved it? Well, most dinosaurs are really stupid, so I don't know if they can actually, you know, be bad or good. I think they're just basically going off instinct. But anyway, more (laughs) on that later. Offensive. I mean, accurate. All right. So now that we've talked about the biggest and baddest of them all, the Spinosaurus, actually not the biggest, but probably the baddest, but maybe not. We don't know. We'll see. I got another one just for you. Are you ready? We're moving on to the next super family of Carniosaura, not to be confused with Carniosata, which is delicious. 
Bump bumch. Wow, that was. Mm-hmm. I didn't even write that in there. That was literally just like, oh, that's spelled like carnio asada. Carnio. Oh, asada. I thought you were gonna be like that was on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I wish it was on the Wikipedia page. <laughs> um. Anyway, so carniosaurs are defined as a division of predatory dinosaurs encompassing all allosaurs and their closest kin that appeared in the Middle Jurassic period around 176 million years ago. One notable member of this group is the Gigantosaurus. Was it um, a giant boy? He was a big boy. He was a big boy. Not as big as his friend, the Spinosaurus, but the Gigantosaurus was a big boy. He was a big boy. So he was known by his friends as the giant southern lizard. By and his li- friends? Yes. That's his, his friends name. were like, Hey, giant southern lizard, what's up? <laughs> I got a, a basketball game tomorrow. <laughs> he lived in what is now Argentina during the late Cretaceous period around 98 to 97 million years ago. Like its name suggests, this bitch was big, ranging from 39 to 49 feet in length and weighing somewhere between 4.2 and 13.8 tons. That's so, a ton of tons. Is He's a big boy. Like, for <laughs> reference, the Spinosaurus was much longer than him, but this thing could easily outweigh it by almost double. Um, he is one of the largest known theropods. The Gigantosaurus are thought to have been homeothermic, meaning that their metabolism was somewhere between lizards and mammals, allowing for them to grow very rapidly. It also gave them one terrifying characteristic that literally makes me want to die a little bit when I think about it. All right. I'm ready for it. Are you ready for it? Mm Mm-hmm. This motherfucker could run up to 31 miles per hour. (laughs) It's like a goddamn ostrich. A giant fucking ostrich. Yeah, it's triggering your ostrich fears. Oh, no. um, As I was writing this, you'll learn more. There's a fucking shit ton of ostrich-like dinosaurs that I have to talk about, and I hate every second of it. Not only was this thing a fast runner, it was able to close its jaw in an instant, making it an ideal terrestrial predator. That's horrifying. So it could run up to you, and then before you could even do anything, it's like, and you're dead. You're dead. Mm Because this bitch was big. Its head was almost like, I think it could be up to eight feet in length. That's the size of a car. It's hard to imagine these things. I know. That, yeah. I try and put references in here just because they're so big. I don't think we can like actually just, you know. Yeah. I don't know. We can't visualize it by far. All right. So we're almost done with the theropods. Almost. We have one more big boy that we need to talk about. And that big boy is from the super family. Cholesteria, also known as hollow-tailed lizards. This division contains all dinosaurs that are more closely related to birds than carnosaurs. This is the group can be further divided into tyrannosaurs. And that's who we are going to, oh, orythromimosaurs and manioraptors. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm engaged. Can you see that? I'm, I'm so engaged. I'm really... I'm really soaking in what you're telling me. Okay, well, great, because we're going to talk about your favorite (laughs) one right now, the Uh Tyrannosaurus. The Tyrannosaurus was in the Northern Hemisphere um, by the end of the Cretaceous period. And, you know, I like to say that this is probably one of the dinosaurs you hate the most. Oh, interesting. Well, it's just, you know, he's the one who pops out and scares you on the dinosaur ride and you almost died. And I was like, okay. 
Yeah. Oh, Cassie true. must hate it. So um, he is the last known member of the Tyrannosaurides. Go figure. The Tyrannosaurus is the last member of the Tyrannosaurides, as well as the last non-avian dinosaur to exist before the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. So I have lots of information on the T-Rex. It is one of the most known dinosaurs, and there's lots of research on it for whatever reasons, probably because it's young relatively to other dinosaurs that we don't know a lot about. But the T-Rex was one of the largest terrestrial predators to ever walk the Earth. It could reach lengths up to 40 feet and could weigh up to 14 tongues. Tons, not tongues. Just throwing that out there. Like salad tongs? Yes, salad tongs. 14 (laughs) of them, in fact. Uh, Size-wise, the T-Rex was rivaled and surpassed by other theropods, but it is thought to have have the strongest bite force of any terrestrial animal ever. Just let that sink in. It has the strongest bite force of any animal ever known to exist on this planet. More than that one that, like, clamps down on you? Yes, actually, fun fact. uh, The Gigantosaurus had a faster bite but did not have nearly the bite force, and it has to do with how much muscle the lower mandible had to actually close. So the T-Rex could also close its mouth quickly, but just not as quickly as the Gigantosaurus. Mm. But wait, there's more. (laughs) Of course there is. So let's talk about the thing that you know t-rexes get a bad rap for those little tiny baby arms (laughs) sure and let's be real let's be real they're kind of funny they're hilarious to look at and before i started researching this i really thought they were just a meme you know i thought they were just useless just there to be made fun of yeah no that's not right they're crazy strong they're super crazy strong and they think that you know they don't know exactly what the arms were for but they think based on how much muscle there was in the arms that they probably were hold to use to hold struggling prey so they couldn't get away so the T-Rex could just bite their heads off. Like a little ice cream cone, just like... Yep. <laughs> right? You got it. You got it. Cool, cool. Um, it has also been thought that they might have used their tiny little arms with the massive nails to eviscerate their prey. Oh. Yeah, fun. But also, this one you might like, they also think it might have been used for sexy time. You know, just holding on so you don't fall off. Because let's be real. You know, until this moment, I've never thought about dinosaurs fucking. Well, <laughs> and here's now. The, well, the funny thing is they don't know how they did it. They don't know how they made it at all. They have no idea. Are there no, is there no research on like dinosaur penises? No, but they know there's eggs. That's all they know. They know that dinosaurs have eggs, but they don't know how fertilization occurs. They don't know if they have, they have no idea. It's an active area of research. I mean, that's pretty interesting, actually. Like that genuinely, that's pretty interesting how they don't know how. Well, I mean, like that's the hard part when you're doing something that's extinct. All you have is fossil record. And unless you just happen to get lucky and there were two dinosaurs fucking when the asteroid hit and they were fossilized like that, guess what? We don't know shit. What a way to go, though. Like, I mean, they probably enjoyed themselves. <laughs> sure. Just imagine the climax. Boom. All right. So while on the topic of terrifying dino facts, did you know that the Tyrannosaurus could potentially run up to 17 miles an hour? No. Not not crazy fast, but still, can you run 17 miles an hour? No. I cannot, no. They had a better sense of eyesight than modern hawks. 
they had a heightened sense of smell and great hearing. Also, compared to other dinosaurs, their brains were huge. Wow. They were some of the smartest dinosaurs to ever walk the earth. And they think that that is why they became such successful predators was the fact that their prey had brains the size of limes and they had a very proportionate brain, about 75% proportionate, and are thought to have been as intelligent as modern day chimps. Well, that's kind of scary, actually. Isn't that a terrifying? Giant, a giant monster that's smart as chimps? No. Basically, what I'm saying is this dinosaur was a perfect predatory machine, and it was also smart enough to be an opportunistic predator and a scavenger. So, hmm. See, that makes me kind of sad now that they died because I don't, I mean, that's dumb. Smarter things shouldn't be alive because they're smarter, but you know. Yeah. Well, you know, actually, in all my research, this isn't in here anywhere, but it was... Uh, thought that the smaller theropods like the ones that were about dog size if the extinction event wouldn't have happened they think that they would have probably developed human-like intellect at some point whoa yeah because their brains were developing at a rate similar to how primates brains um develop so just think about that we have little perhaps talking dinosaurs walking around being doing people stuff can you think of a little talking dinosaur like in a little suit going to work carrying a briefcase? It would be a planet of dinosaurs and we would be like the pets. Like we'd yes, be the we dog. Would be pet. We would be food. We would be the cows. Oh, you're right. We and then would there, be the cows. There would be dinosaurs that would be like, we, we shouldn't kill those humans. That's bad. And we would be talking and they'd be like, do you hear that gibberish they go? Like, <laughs> what are those things? <laughs> they wouldn't have let us learn to talk. Oh, let's be real. Dinosaurs would like echolocate each other and like talk in like hoots. They'd be like, whoo, whoo. I have so much facts on T-Rexes. I want to give you some fun ones. So, you know, now we know that, you know, scales were kind of the precursor to feathers. And it's thought that, you know, T-Rexes may have had some feathers. They weren't completely covered in feathers. But there is some research that suggests that their upper trunk may have been covered in feathers. So think of a like feather cape. They're running about 17 miles an hour with their feather cape blowing in the wind. Oh, yeah. that's good. Hooting at things and chasing stupid dinosaurs because they're <laughs> smart. Okay. How do they know what sounds dinosaurs made? They don't, but they base it on current living ancestors and the noises they can make. So, basically, most of the research is on the noises that birds are known to make and the noises that crocodiles can make. How do they know they didn't just sound like turkeys? They don't, but there is a dinosaur that was the size of a turkey that we'll talk about later. <laughs> okay. So, um, one more thing about T-Rexes, and then we need to get going because I'm fucking rambling. Um, T-Rexes, they think they might have had lips. I don't know why that makes me so uncomfortable, but they think they might have had lips that covered their teeth, and that freaks me out. I don't like that. Why are you thinking like Kim K lips? Is that Yeah, what like huge <laughs> lips. Their teeth were like a foot long, Cassie. Their lips would be like... Well, you can't yeah. see me, guys, but I just made a fish face. <laughs> okay, well, that's enough of that. Let's get on because I really need, I have so much more shit. I'm on page three of six, so. Dude. I know. Okay, so orinthromimosaurs, also known as bird mimic lizards or ostrich dinosaurs, were a super family of dinosaurs which bore a superficial resemblance to modern day ostrich. They were fast omnivores and first appeared during the early Cretaceous period. Notable members of the superfamily include the Gillimimus 
and the Struthro Mimis. So the Gillimimis, or Chicken Mimic, <laughs> lived around 70 million years ago in what is now Mongolia. They were the largest known Orythromimic and are thought to have been the fastest known well, omnivorous dinosaur. They could grow up to a staggering 20 feet long, Aww. be six foot three in height, and weigh up to 970 pounds. What losers. It is speculated that they were feathered with small heads and had large, large lateral facing eyes. So basically like an ostrich. <laughs> and they could run up to a staggering. Oh, God, this just makes me makes me just super uncomfortable. They could run up to 34 miles per hour. So basically, we're talking about terrifying murder chickens that can run as fast as a cheap moped. Just no, just no. <laughs> But wait, you know how I said they're considered to be the fastest? Well, you know what? There's one that may have been faster. Whoa. Yes. And by faster, I mean like significantly faster, which I still don't understand. I've learned a lot about how paleontologists like to argue with each other. Like seriously, super petty arguments. I mean, I guess they're not petty, but they're like, no, nah, you're wrong. That was a slow bitch. This one's fast. This one's the fast one. Or this one's bigger. That one's bigger. This one ate this. This one ate that. It's a lot. So, once again, this information is all off Wikipedia. It's probably wildly incorrect. Please correct me. You're spilling tea on the paleontology world. I mean, so let's talk about the Struthrow Mimis or Ostrich Mimic. Cassie knows how much I love ostriches. So, this was very fun for me to talk about. So, they lived. They started first appeared 77 million years ago and lived up until the um, uh, Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event about 66 million years ago in what is now North America. So right in our homeland. How fun. fun. They were smaller than their chicken mimic friends, averaging about 14 feet in length. And they were about four foot six in height and could weigh around. 330 pounds. So they're still pretty big boys, but not nearly as big as the giant chicken murder monsters. But guess what? Since they aren't as big, they aren't as fat. They're so much faster. These things could run up to 50 fucking miles per hour. 50 (laughs) miles per hour, Cassie. That isn't even, that shouldn't be a thing. Why is that a thing? They gotta, you gotta get some speed. How fast are cheetah goes? I'm trying to like Cheetahs go like 60 miles per hour, but they also weigh like 90 pounds. Well, okay. Yeah, but that's, now that you say that, that's terrifyingly fast for (laughs) for a dinosaur. Yeah, it's, and they have giant snake chicken necks and they're terrifying. Snake chicken necks. They have long necks and just, you know, I hate snakes, you know, anyway, you just moving on. (laughs) You hate hate lots of things. This this podcast is called We Are Two Haters. I know, but it's becoming clear that you you like dinosaurs, but you hate everything that's like stemmed from them. You don't like ostriches. I like regular birds, just not giant flightless birds. I like crocodiles. It's very specific. <laughs> anyway, let's move on into the Manoraptora, which is another superfamily, which includes, you guessed it, birds and non-avian dinosaurs that more closely related to birds than the Orythromimus. They can be divided into major subgroups, Avale, uh, Dianocorosauria, Oviraptorsauria, 
Antherazinosauria. Mm. A plus on those pronunciations. Those are some. Those are some good names. <laughs> uh, so the Avalae or bird wings is a group of flying dinosaurs containing the only living dinosaurs, modern birds. This group is usually defined as all theropods that are more closely related to modern birds than to Dinosaurcosauria. Butchered that makes, it. That makes me think of like a chorus of dinosaurs. Yeah, pretty much. We'll get into it. No worries. Oh, they sing. Um, <laughs> yes, they do. You got it. Uh, notable members of this group include the Architerox and the Aurorinus, w- with the latter being accepted as the oldest known bird. So let's talk about the Architops, uh, or the first bird, or first bird. That was what it was called before they discovered the other one. But it was called the first bird. And it is a bird-like dinosaur that had four wings. So it had wings on its arms and wings on its leg. It is uh, widely considered to be a transitional dinosaur between non-avian feathered dinosaurs and modern birds. Uh, They first appeared during the late Jurassic period about 150 million years ago. They they weren't very big, honestly. They they could only grow up to about 1.8 feet in length. And aside from their size, had very little in common with modern birds. These little shits were terrifying, Cassie. Like, they had mouths full of terrifying razor-sharp teeth. And they had, like, three-fingered claws and a long bony tail. And are you ready for this? They had a hyper-extensible second toe known as the killing claw. <laughs> a second toe? <laughs> the second toe or killing claw. All I can picture because I <laughs> listen, I'm picturing like a human foot, but like the second toe is like the one that's like, yep. and it's got a big claw, and it's gonna get you, it's gonna get you, and then it flies away with its four wings, which is horrible. Well, well, here's the thing they don't think it flew very well, they think that it probably Aww. like could like flap up to a higher perch and then glide pretty well, but it said that based on how heavy it was. And the fact that they couldn't take their arms, but their wings behind them, they could just keep them like laterally and then push down. So they could only do a down flap. So they don't think they were great flyers, but they still think that they could fly well enough to escape predators. So it's that big toe that's weighing them down. Yeah. Uh, Side note, uh, this is something that angered me, but um, uh, so pterodons or pterodactyls, as we like to call them. Mm hmm. They're not fucking dinosaurs. They're just giant winged lizards. And it made me very upset because I'm like, why, if dinosaurs are just big reptiles, can we not have pterosaurs being dinosaurs? It pisses me off. It's so stupid. It's the Pluto is not a planet. Oh, let's not. mm, Poor Pluto. It never did anything. It's just as big as Mercury. Let it be a fucking planet. Stupid. (laughs) Anyway, so the Aurornis lived during the late Jurassic period around 160 million years ago. So it predates the Archaeops about uh, 10 million years or so. And it was found in what is now China. They don't really know a whole lot about it because they've only found, I think, maybe one complete skeleton. But it had clawed wings like the Archaeops and a long bone tail. But the overall anatomy was much more primitive than that. Pictures of like life models, it looks like just a weird pigeon that's gonna fuck you up honestly pigeons like are a, horrifying in like general so. <laughs> if pigeons had teeth and a long bony tail that was like the size of their body and they're like you want to go let's talk about the dinocasora which is a group known for their sickle shaped toe claws 
once again, I ran into a lot of this doing this. So you have to, I have to apologize for it. There's not a whole lot of research on a lot of these things. So all I have for this is that they had sickle shaped toe claws and that they weren't used for dino on dino violence. They were probably used to help the dinosaur balance or climb trees. That's all I got for that one. Super interesting, I know, but we need right. to cut some time anyway. So let's go. <laughs> Um, so the Oviraptosaurus, also known as the egg thief lizard, first appeared during the Cretaceous period about 130 million years ago. Their defining characteristic were their short, short beaked faces. They looked like parrots. It's weird. They also are thought to have had green heads, kind of like parrots. So anyway, a notable member of this group is the Gigantoraptor. Hmm, Gigantoraptor, you say? Is that going to be a big-ass raptor? I don't know. Let's Another find out. Another big boy? A big boy. So the Gigantoraptor, or Giant Caesar, was a huge omnivore that lived during the late Cretaceous period. It could grow up to 26 feet in length, 16 feet in height, and weigh up to 1.4 tons. That's ridiculous. <laughs> it's the size of a house. Can you tell by my paws that I'm so into this? I can tell. They basically look like giant chickens with a long neck and a parrot head. Okay, so like literally we just covered Saurischian dinosaurs and we still have like two other big topics to cover. So let's get into it. Obviously, we won't be spending a lot of time on this next one because these are the dinosaurs that I think Cassie would have actually liked. So we're just going to like glaze over them just a little bit. So nice of you. I know. So let's talk about our land before time friends, the Sauropodomorphas. Yay. So they were basically mainly herbivores, and I like to call them friendly. I feel like they're probably friendly. They were also stupid. So I don't know. But anyway, uh, the Sauropodomorpha or lizard footed forms is an order of long necked herbivore dinosaurs that include sauropods and their ancestral relatives. Sauropodomorphs were the dominant terrestrial herbivores throughout much of the Mesozoic era, their origins in the mid-Jurassic about 230 million years ago until their decline and extinction at the end of the Cretaceous period 66 million years ago. So basically, they were there almost the entire time that dinosaurs walked the earth. Sauropods generally grow to very large sizes and were quadrupeds and became the largest animals to ever walk the earth. Notable sauropods include the Apatosaurus, the Brachiosaurus, the Brontosaurus, and the Titanosaurus. So uh, let's talk about the Apatosaurus first, or as I'm going to refer to them for the rest of this, a deceptive lizard. (laughs) All right. Um, This deceptive lizard lived during the late Jurassic period around 152 million years ago. They had an average length of about 69 feet, but could grow up to 75 feet. And their average weight was somewhere between... 16.4 16.4 to 22.4 tons. This is what Littlefoot was. So when you think of the land before time, he was a baby Apatosaurus. Um, he's a cute yeah. kid. He's a little cutie. A little cutie, cute cutie. So fun fact about the Apatosaurus, um, their tail could break the sound barrier. <laughs> what? Yeah. How? A, how do they know that? And B, how? Um, they're basing it on how muscular their tail was because they were big fucking things, but like they can move their tails apparently very quickly and I guess break the sound barrier. I'm also not a physicist, so don't ask me to explain how things break the sound barrier. 
<laughs> all right. All right. Fair enough. Next, let's talk about the Brachiosaurus or arm lizard that lived during the late Jurassic period, a few million years before the Apatosaurus. They had an average length of 59 to 69 feet, slightly shorter than their Apatosaurus friends, and could be heights up to 43 feet and an average weight of about somewhere between 28.3 and 58 tons, almost double that of the Apatosaurus. So even though they were shorter, these things were stout. Like they were, they were big boys. They were thick. They were thick. They, they were, were real thick. Movies. So many C's. I think there's more <laughs> like five C's, honestly. Um, their defining characteristic was that the forelimbs were longer than its hind limbs, resulting in like a weird steep inclined torso. So basically, it was like they were always rearing up, but they weren't rearing up because their feet were on the ground. Oh. Okay, now on to my favorite one. And I really still think that they should have named the Apatosaurus this since its tail could, you know, break the sound barrier. But anyway, we're talking about Brontosaurus or Thunder Lizard. Are you fucking kidding me? This thing's called a Thunder Lizard. It's like a dinosaur Thor and I love it. I'm, it's the coolest thing ever. I'm going to name Ban Thunder Lizard because why not? All right. You're, <laughs> go for it. You, I mean, you, you. it's sick, brah. <laughs> Anyway, thunder lizards first appeared during the late Jurassic period, and much like its other sauropod brethren, they could grow up to 72 feet in length. I think that's the biggest boy we've seen. Well, the patasaurus could be a little bit longer, but still, 72 feet is ridiculous, and they could weigh up to 15 tons. And they're one of the most known dinosaurs. Like, everyone knows what a brontosaurus is for the most part. Most people think that, you know, Littlefoot is a brontosaurus, even though he's an apatosaurus, because that's a fun thing. They were actually at one point classified as the same animal before they discovered that there was actually a distinction. All right, last one. Uh, the Titanosaurs. Their name alludes to the titans of Greek mythology, and they were the last sauropods to work the earth. These titans to first appeared the <laughs> to walk the earth. Say that again. It's not like you said work. <laughs> <clears throat> and they were the last sauropods to walk the earth. These titans first appeared in the Cretaceous period and thrived until the end during the extinction event. They could grow as large as a whopping 121 feet in length and weigh up to 76 tons, making them the largest animal to ever walk the earth. It's fucking bananas, Cassie. Like, literally, if you take the Christ the Redeemer statue, they were as long as it is tall. <sighs> anyway, and that'll do it for all our lizard-hipped friends. How are you feeling, Cassie? I'm awake. Are you still a hater? <laughs> yes, <laughs> this is boring. Well, too bad. Now it's time to talk about the other dinosaurs. Oh, my God. <laughs> Erythrosia, or bird-hipped. The Orinthia are mainly herbivores, and are known for their anatomical adaptations. For the purposes of this episode, I will be discussing the suborders Therophoria and Serapata. Uh, Therophora, or shield bearers, often known as simply armored dinosaurs, are a group characterized by the presence of body armor in a longitudinal, longitudinal row along their body. Primitive forms had simple, low-keeled osteoderms, while later forms had elaborate structures, including spikes, plates. Most Theraphorians, 
were herbivores and had small brains compared to their body size. A noted member of the suborder is the Stegosaurus. I know that one. Yay! (laughs) So the Stegosaurus, or roof lizards, were armored dinosaurs known for upright plates and a spike tail called a thagomizer. Thagomizer, that's a fun word. Yeah, that sounds like a cleaning product or something it i mean it does do some cleaning if you know what i'm saying <laughs> what? They, they... <laughs> no i don't know what you're saying <laughs> well you're gonna learn uh they first appeared during the late jurassic period about 150 million years ago the roof lizards could grow up to 29 feet in length and weighed nearly seven tons as an adult on top of that their plates could grow up to two feet in length and height And don't even get me started on their tail. The spikes on that motherfucker could grow up to three feet in length. That's the size of a three-year-old, Cassie. They had like six three-year-olds holding onto their tails. Both the plates and the thagomizer are thought to have been defensive adaptations to fight off predators, which were both needed because this dino's top speed was a blistering 4.3 miles per hour. So it was slow. Aww. Like, it was slow, like, physically and mentally. This thing didn't have a lot going on. Um, Poor thing. Oh, but, hey, this dino was definitely a badass with all its cool defensive adaptations. I mean, even though its brain power was lacking, the stegosaur, you know, it got the job done. You know, it was just a, it was a lazy herbivore. It just basically ate for 16 hours a day. It was doing, it's doing the damn thing. And let's, let's be real. It's basically Spike from The Land Before Time. Just eating all the time and not really, you know, just hanging out. Living the dream life. Like super chill. Like he was cool, had a good time. You know, anyone wanted to come fuck with him, he'd be like, nah, bruh, you see these spikes and this tail? I'm going to get you. Even though they could not walk very fast, it is thought that they could move their tail rapidly for defense. So, you know, they did all right. They did all right. All right. Last one we're going to talk about. I know you're so sad, but here we go. Um, Seropoda or horned faced dinosaur. So they were groups of herbivore beaked dinosaurs that thrived in what is now North America. So back in North America with those stupid fucking monster ostriches um, during the late Jurassic and late Cretaceous period. Late members of this group developed elaborate facial horns and tough frills over their neck. Of this group, the most widely known member is the Triceratops. So it would be sacrosanct for me not to discuss them. Oh my god. <laughs> Get out of here with your YouTube references. <laughs> <laughs> um a triceratops or three-horned face first appeared during the late Cretaceous period and thrived until the Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event. The three horns were one of the last known avian non-avian dinosaurs to exist along with the T-Rex, who they most definitely fought with on the reg. They could grow up to 30 feet in length, 10 feet in height, and weigh as much as 12 tons. Their defining characteristics are, you guessed it, their horns. I mean, they were a horny beast by any means, like seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> their horns could grow up to almost three and a half feet in length. And, oh yeah, their frills, those things, they don't really know what they were for, but it's thought that they were likely to guard the dinosaur's necks from attack from of predators because they were bony but there are also some theories that suggest that they might have just been a courtship thing but there's more fossil evidence that they were for defensive purposes but let's be real like who doesn't want to see a triceratops using its giant three and a half foot horns to just like gore 
a freaking T-Rex because those things fought. There's no way. Like they don't even know who was the aggressor because both were thought to be solidary animals. Um, at one point they thought triceratops were in herds, but that was likely only during mating season, which they don't even know if was a thing. Cause they don't know how dinosaurs fuck. I mean, come on. So basically in my mind, it was just freaking T-Rexes and ceratops just going, gah, gah, gah. cause I mean, let's be real land before time. Sarah was a bitch. <laughs> she was yeah. such a bitch. <laughs> also blew my mind. So, Never realized this, but Sarah's name in the Land Before Time is spelled C E R A. I actually because didn't. she's a Triceratops. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that, and I was like, "Oh my god, Sarah!" I was like, "That's so clever." Look at you, Steven Spielberg. Good for you. <laughs> but anyway, and that brings us to the end, Cassie. Wow. Brings us up to 66 million years ago when the age of the dinosaurs ended in an instant by a massive meteor impact in the area that is now known as the Yukonan Peninsula. So sad. The Cretaceous Paleogene extinction event wiped out about three quarters of the plant and animal species on Earth. Surviving to repopulate the Earth were fragmented, pop, fragmented populations of mammals, birds, sea turtles, crocodilians, and tetrapods weighing less than 55 pounds. Following the death of the dinos, mammals evolved rapidly to fill the niches left vacant. It also created the opportunity for one of my greatest fears, giant flightless fucking birds. And I don't really want to talk about it because I hate it, but there's just one I have to talk about. Um, it was called the, I'm not even going to try and pronounce its actual name. I'm just going to call it what it is, a terror bird. That is what they referred to it as, giant terror birds. It could grow up to 10 feet tall, run up to 30 miles per hour, and likely swallowed its fucking prey whole, Cassie. It swallowed <laughs> its prey whole. I guess I'm the job sorry. done fast. But just know, they sound fucking terrible, and I wish I never opened that goddamn link, because I will never unsee that. <laughs> well, Cassie, that's all I got. Are you still a hater? Anything you learned that you thought was interesting? <laughs> um, Let me think. You gave me a lot of information there. Yep. Um, I mean, probably, honestly, this is going to sound stupid, but the T-Rex baby arms... Knowing yeah. that they weren't just like useless arms, they had right. Wasn't that super cool? Yeah, that was interesting to learn. I am still a hater, not a fan of dinosaurs. You didn't like the big, stupid, friendly little foot dinosaur. I mean, yeah. Okay, well, fair enough. I did my best. Yeah, you did good. I can't imagine learning about dinosaurs that long. It was bad. I spent twelve hours yesterday. Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. That's horrible. It's a horrible way to spend a day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. We took All a, right. We took a quick bathroom break. Now we're back for more torture, and dear God, I'm not ready for it. Mm-hmm. Prepare for a taste of your own medicine, sir. Oh, Jesus Christ. All right, Tyler, are you ready for my first topic? No, I'm really, can we just be over? Can this just be a thing where I talk? Oh, no, 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 no. This can't just be a dinosaur episode. That would be stupid. We got to talk about <laughs> something fun. Oh, fuck me. Okay, what? <clears throat> I'm going to paint you a little picture of my life okay. in Nashville right now. I'm listening. All right. I work hard during the week. I work from home, so I don't work that hard. 
Yeah, I know. But, so many hours watching Netflix and YouTube. Uh, <laughs> I sit at a desk all day in my living room for and eight you hours. Can't watch YouTube at your desk. If someone at work listens to this, I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> I talked about a patient throwing up in the clinic. <laughs> All right. So when the weekend rolls around, I just want to relax, right? Yeah. And on Sundays especially, I take the time to make sure my apartment is clean, my laundry is done, all my errands are taken care of, a responsible adult, yes. right? Mm-hmm. But honestly, all of that is for the hopes that it can be done in time. Oh, And I no. can grab a no. snack. No, no. This is not 90 Day Let Fiance. Let me finish my intro. <laughs> so I can grab a snack and a glass of wine Gosh. and watch one of my favorite reality shows. Jesus. 90 Christ. Day Fiance. God damn it. <laughs> all right, Tyler. Why do you hate 90 Day Fiance? One of the best shows on television today i just i'm not a big fan when people are like yeah i came to this country to marry this middle-aged you know i don't want i'm not gonna shame somebody based on their appearance but when you meet these young people who are coming from different countries to marry these significantly older individuals who don't really appear as though they have a lot to bring to the relationship. It raises a lot of red flags for me. Oh, it's very judgy of you. I like to think I'm a realist. You're going to tell me that I'm just a judgy. But, I mean, let's be real. It's all for just clout and fame. They're not actually trying to do anything. Half these people just want to come. Yes, that is my problem. You know what? Let me get into this to... Dispel some of your myths of this great show. How yes. you say it's all for cloud. Yes. All right. Okay. So this show premiered on the Learning Channel, as we call it, TLC, on January 12, 2014. It's only been on for six years, almost seven. Feels like 600 years. I will agree with that. And I'm fairly sure I've been watching this show since it began. I mean, I lived with you. We lived together in 2014. Yeah, you would have a marathon <laughs> of freaking sister wives. And you'd oh, be like, yeah. oh my God, 90 Day Fiance, 90 Day The Other Way, after the 90 days. Oh, it's just, we'll, get on, we'll get into the spinoffs. Don't you worry. <laughs> Great. I am brimming with excitement. But I remember thinking that this was like any other, sh- unlike any other show I've ever seen on TV. It was so groundbreaking. <laughs> I mean, I'll give you that. It sure is something. And I thought the purpose of the show was to make it seem like people, mainly older American men, weren't marrying what we commonly know as male order brides. I kind of thought it was like a sham for it or or like a parody of it, which I guess some people could still argue it is. But then I saw that it wasn't just older men that were like bringing people over to marry them. It was people of all ages and they were all convinced that they met their soulmate online but i you know who am i to judge that i mean i am skeptical when people claim that they meet their soulmates in their hometown because i'm like what are the chances your soulmates also in your hometown you know so believe in soulmates at all cassie no (laughs) exactly so but if i did what are the chances you've heard me talk about this show many times but For anyone listening who somehow doesn't know the concept, I will explain to you what the show is all about. 90 Day Fiance follows couples where one person is an American and the other person is from a different country. And these people meet and they become engaged 
And then when the non-American person comes to America to be with the love of their life, the couple has 90 days to get legally married or the non-American has to go back home. So Cassie, tell me, why is that 90 days significant? Isn't there like a K-1 visa or something? Oh my gosh. I was just going to say, how is this legal, you may ask? I, I did. Will tell you. You're right. I will tell you. Well, America has this thing called a K-1 visa. This is the visa that the non-American person applies for when they come over to America so they can come over here legally. Um, so because I know you're so interested, I thought I would give you a amazing history on this visa. Actually, I do think that the history on this visa is actually kind of cool. And I think you'll think it's cool too. So um, this certain visa was created um, during the Vietnam War because American soldiers were falling in love with these Vietnamese oh, women. Okay, that is right? cool. Yeah. And they wanted to bring them home. So the Vietnamese women had to get an exit visa from their government and an immigrant visa from the U.S. Embassy at that time. They had like a lot of stuff to go through. So this wasn't an easy process. Um, and they had to go through all kinds of medical clearances and police clearances. And their American partner had to essentially sign all of these embassy documents agreeing that agreeing to everything that was in the visa and that they were going to like take care of these I keep saying women, but it was predominantly women that were coming over. I can't imagine there would be a case where a woman fell in love with a man, but maybe there was. Who knows? So because this process did end up taking so long, sometimes the soldiers had to return home without the person that they fell in love with, which is super sad. Aww, that is right? sad. There were eventually about 100 American Vietnamese couples that were in this situation where their loved one was still in Vietnam and they had to come back home. Um, and eventually, they all kind of wrote to Congress and was like, hey, can, we want to bring our future wives over here, but there's no like legal way to do it, right? Hmm. Um, and this led to Congress passing Public Law 91-225, right? That's the number. <laughs> and this law amended the Immigration and Nationality Act of 1952. So this created the K-Visa category, um, and the K-1 visa was part of that. So I think it's kind of cool that this ridiculously amazing reality show is alive because of some um, circumstantial history. See, I think it's beautiful that that was a thing that we did as a country to allow those people to keep their soulmates. And I think it's disgusting that TLC bastardized it into a TV show. Well, see, my next statement was, I bet some would argue that this is yet another consequence of the Vietnam War because you could make that argument. All right. So today, couples can apply for the K-1 visa, but they have to meet a shit ton of requirements. Uh, so here is a checklist of everything that has to happen for this process. Are you taking notes? Yes. <laughs> wow. You really are a student. I was just like listen, a half-ass listening to you. Talking about I'm not going to get caught off guard if you ask me a question. <laughs> All right. So first <laughs> requirement, um, the couples have to have seen each other in person at least two years prior to applying for this visa. Um, and there has to be evidence of that. So you have to have like your plane tickets, your, you have to have pictures, uh, stuff like that, just to prove that you saw each other in person. Um, and the American part of the couple has to start this whole process by filing an I-129F petition. And this is called the Petition for an Alien Fiancé, <laughs> which I think 
<laughs> Listen, this is my question. Do you think someone has ever filed for this with evidence that they have had like a relationship with an outer space alien? An extraterrestrial? I a thousand percent think they have. And someone I, has to have. Amazing. Yeah. And my question is this, Cassie. Mm-hmm. Do you think if we discover aliens, like the aliens discover us and they come to this planet, are we going to use the same visa to marry them? <laughs> I think, well, I I think the term alien for a person from a foreign country is a little outdated. So I think that should be changed altogether. I like it. Yeah. I mean, that's I, I, I don't know. I just, the term alien seems a little. 1950s. Yeah. Yeah. We need to update that. Um, so along with that, the American has to f- also file an I-134 or an affidavit of support. And that's basically saying, hey, if this person comes over here, I will be fully financial, financially responsible for them. Um, and if they commit a crime, like that's on me to like bail them out and pay for their lawyers and all that kind of stuff. Oh, God. Yeah. So that's a big commitment. But that's just the petition. That's not even the visa part. <gasps> okay. So <I'm- laughs> are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. I'm listening. I'm so, so the, pe- the petition has to be approved by the government before they can even apply for the visa. So your petition has to be like granted and then you can start the, the um, visa process. Um, so once the petition is approved, the non-American part of the couple has four months to apply for their visa. And if they miss the four month window, sometimes there is a little um, a little leeway in that time. But if they miss that window, they have to do the whole process again. And I'm pretty sure it's a pretty expensive process. So to apply for this visa, which I think this is actually kind of interesting, maybe you can do that online. Like you don't have to go anywhere and fill in any form. It's online. So I don't know how I feel about that. But once they apply, um, there is an interview for the non-American and it's usually at the U.S. Embassy, wherever their country is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to show evidence of a relationship and they have to answer questions about their American partner. Think of that movie, The Proposal, uh-huh. Ryan Reynolds and yes, yes, yes. Sandra Bullock. That's the Sandy B. <laughs> sure. We love Sandy B. She's a friend of the pod. <laughs> yeah, she loves us. She's already she's already left a review. You have to go through this whole interview interview process. And I, the purpose of it, obviously, is to try to like shut down sham marriages so people can't just come over here and you know, willy nilly. <laughs> I love it. Glad you said willy nilly. <laughs> yeah. So evidence for relationships can include photographs and texts and mailed letters and phone call logs and plane tickets to visit them. And it's you kind of just have to show that like you met and you've been talking and things like that. Um, which begs the question: if you are getting like frisky with your partner and you got some sex going on. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you just like cut that out? I mean, I guess so. But what if you're like, I'm really into this person. See, look, I said this. <laughs> if you got some sex going, what, what even <laughs> is that? You know, sexy text messages. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that makes more sense. I was gonna say, I don't know. I feel like that would look better if you had sexy time messages right that's what i'm saying but i feel like some people would be ashamed of that but i'd be like no look how dare you that's not modest of you yeah i can see your ankles i guess it depends on which country you're coming from honestly if it's a more conservative country you probably don't want to show that stuff 
So another kicker to this whole thing is that the American part of the couple, they have to meet a minimum income requirement, which from what I can tell is just above the poverty line. So that's interesting. Um, But if you don't, if you are below the poverty line, there is a loophole for this um, and you can get someone to co-sponsor the visa. And that basically means if if the American part of the couple can't um, support the person financially, then the co-sponsor has to like because they sign that. So it's a legal thing. Which I was trying to think, if I were to go through this process, who in the fam do you think would do this for me? I don't think anyone would. <laughs> no one would do it for you. They'd be like, stop. Yeah. And honestly. Also, you- we'd be like, you make enough money, Cassie. Support them yourself. <laughs> True. Let's, but if I didn't, let's just say. and But on, if like someone in the fam asked me to do it, I'd be like, no. Sorry. I mean, hell, we know exactly who would ask you. All right. So... <laughs> But I do, if if you do co-sponsor a visa and they come over here and it's all successful and everything, that's a 10-year commitment. So Oh, shit. So a full decade. Yeah. Um, so if a couple gets through all of this stuff and they can take a, around eight months, sometimes a little less, sometimes a lot more, um, and they get approved, then their visa is granted. Woo. Woo. And the non-American then has six months to get all their shit and come over to America. But and once they like touch American soil, they have 90 days to get married or they have to go back home. Okay. So that's why it's called 90 days. I was about to say if it's six months, why is it called 90 days? <laughs> no, they have six months to come over here after approval. And I think if they miss that six months, they kind of have to do the whole thing again. But it does look bad if you if you keep, you know, applying. Yeah. And I, I can tell you there has been some people on 90 Day Fiance who have done it multiple times and i think they only get like two or three times to apply for this well i would hope so that's kind of ridiculous yeah because it would end up being like a scam at that point yeah now that you know a little bit about the show and the legal process i think we should really get into it jesus okay let's let's get into the hot gossip okay the hot goss (laughs) season one which as i said started in 2014 they only featured four couples which is interesting. And then this latest season, um, which is season eight, seven, season seven, they um, have featured eight couples. So essentially doubled. And I decided to use my math brain. You know how strong my math brain is, right? Guys, it's not strong. She's got like one of those tiny dinosaur brains. And I was going to, I was going to crunch some numbers with the data. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Do you have your abacus? Are you just flicking yeah. numbers over? Yeah. So here we have, I, I, I titled this success stories per season. Okay. Oh God. So season one. I'm, I'm all of, ears. Let's go. <laughs> season one, as of today, four out of the four couples are still together. Good for them. You know right? what? Like, okay, maybe I was wrong. <laughs> well, season two, three out of the six couples are still together. So it's 50-50. That's better 100% than... 100% to 50%. Season three, um, we got five out of six or possibly six out of six, which I'll get to in a minute. Couples are still together. So that's still really good. Yeah. Season three, we got three out of five that are still together. No, season four. Sorry, season four, three out of five are still together. Um, season five, four out of five. Again, still great. Season six, this was the, the, the missed season. Two out of the six couples are still together. 
Well, yeah, because baby girl Lisa crazy. She's not on that season. <laughs> oh, I don't See, know what seasons are which. You forced me to watch episodes and I just know. Ugh. You watched. So side note, what at a family gathering over Memorial Day weekend, we watched um, an episode of before the 90 days. So this wasn't actually 90 day fiance what you watched. Oh, also, just to clarify, all our family members had been quarantined and had not come into contact with any individual. So it's not like we were out there breathing gross COVID air on each other. Yeah. And we didn't go out into public like all the crazies. Mm-hmm. Nope. We stayed in and so, played Uno. <laughs> we did. Um, and season seven. So this is the most recent season. And I, so obviously these are still really new couples. So this number is probably going to change. But as of now, what I found, seven out of the eight couples are still together. Does that include baby girl Lisa? No, she's on before the 90 days. I just told you. Oh, shit. I'm sorry. Okay. There's so many of them. (laughs) Why aren't you taking notes anymore? (laughs) Because you made fun of my note taking. All right. So my math brain. I put all of these numbers together. And so side note, some couples have been featured in multiple seasons. So like one couple will be in season three, but also in season five because they were just so reality TV worthy, right? Um, but even still, I tried to do the math and uh, you can't check my math and anyone listening is not allowed to check my math. Okay. You just have to, (laughs) you just have to, um, agree with this. But the number I came up with is a 71% success rate, which honestly is a lot higher than I ever thought it would be. Right. Honestly, I'm kind of surprised, you know, that's that's not too bad. Mm Mm-hmm. So now that you have a little ground about the show, I thought I would tell you about some of my favorite couples. <laughs> I know you're so ready for it. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> here we go. Season three, one of my favorite couples was Lauren and Alexi. Oh, yeah. You know I've them? Seen them? I've seen them on TLC commercials. They're the ones who have the baby now, right? Yeah. So okay. um, they met when Lauren, who was the American, she was on a birthright trip um, in Israel. And she met Alexi, and he was working as a medic, and it was a cute little meet-cute. And they got married. Um, They got married both in the U.S. and in Israel, which is super cool. Um, And they are one of the couples that are still together, and they have a kid. It's super cute. And as far as I can remember, I don't think this couple had that much drama, which is interesting. Because they're a lot of people's favorite couple. Well, yeah, because they like... Probably because they were normal people. Yeah, probably because they were so real and they didn't have like stupid. I mean, I think they had like fights or whatever, but it wasn't anything like what you've seen before the 90 days. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So this couple is really cute. And uh, we'll get them to spinoffs in a second, but there is a spinoff called Pillow Talk and they are one of my favorites on Pillow Talk. So, okay, my next favorite couple is controversial. Okay. I'm all ears. Let me hit me with that controversy, baby. So this couple is Elizabeth and Andre. I don't think you know who they are. They were in season five. Season five. Uh, when I was doing research, I realized that season five was my favorite season. I loved so many couples from that season. They met in Dublin. Um, Elizabeth was visiting and Andre, who he is originally from a country called Moldova. Oh, okay. Um, but he was in Dublin and he was working as a bouncer. <laughs> so they met at a club. Uh, so as I said, this couple is kind of scandalous. And when I was asking members of our fam who their favorite couple was, and I told them that one of my favorite was Elizabeth and Andre, they were like, what? <laughs> what? 
why. And I can't tell you why, really. But Andre is, so I know you're going to hate this. Andre is from a culture where, where men are supposed to be the controlling ones and make all the decisions and keep your comments to yourself. And wives are supposed to be the submissive ones. And I know, mm. <laughs> I know that really grinds your gears. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why I picked them a little bit too. <laughs> God. Listen, I'm not saying it's right. I don't agree with it, obviously, but that's the culture. I he mean, was from. I don't know. You seem to be into it. No, I'm not into it. I'm just saying that's the culture he was from. And Elizabeth, while she didn't like go along with it a hundred percent, she stayed with him and kind of agreed to everything he was saying. But Elizabeth's family was like, nah, fam, get out of here. So the whole drama on their season five is basically Andre and Elizabeth's family. And she has like her dad is kind of the dad that like spoils his daughters and she has tons of sisters. So it was a whole thing. Um, but they are still together and they have a daughter now and they are also on pillow talk. So they're doing good. Okay. Also from season five, we have David and Annie. Who I oh, know- oh, the ones that live in the apartment over a storage facility. <laughs> they don't anymore, but they used to. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So David and Annie met when David was visiting Thailand, and he met Annie in a bar. Um, But the thing about this couple is during their time on 90 Day Fiance, I could not stand David. I was like, get your shit together, because he was broke, (laughs) and he clearly had told Annie that he had money. Um, But he used his best friend. His best friend's name was Chris. And he used his best friend for, like, all the financial support. He had to co-sponsor Annie's visa. Um, he paid, so in Thailand, they still do a thing where you have to pay a dowry to the family of the, of the woman that you want to marry. So Chris also paid for David's dowry to Andy's family. Um, Who is this Chris? How do I get a friend like this? Right. He's just paying for everything. I would love, just give me some money. Like I need to pay (laughs) my student loans. Hey, you want to give me some money, Chris? Yeah. And so I wasn't really into that. And then David also had a lot of drama with, um, his daughter, and his daughter didn't want him to get married because apparently they didn't have a great father-daughter relationship. And then, you know, suddenly he's bringing this woman over from Thailand and he's going to get married. And it was a whole, whole scandal on 90 Day Fiance. But I did really love Annie. Annie was one of my favorites. And I was like, why are you marrying David? Get out of here. <laughs> but e- even still, they still got married. And again, I think all my favorite couples are on Pillow Talk. <laughs> They are the best on Pillow Talk. They are so funny, and they look to be super happy. So who knows if TLC may have conjured up some some stories to, um, you know, make us think some things. <laughs> I mean, what TLC to make drama on the Learning Network? I know. It's what TLC of. to give you like four minutes of content followed by 14 minutes of commercials? <laughs> That's every TV show nowadays. Um, listen, I remember when my 600 pound life was literally like, you know, an hour long, but now they're like an hour and a half because they've slammed so many fucking commercials in there. Oh yeah. 90 day fiance is about an hour and a half every time. And I'm just like, come on TLC, get your shit together. Yeah. And then when you watch it online, uh, well, they still have ads online actually. Yeah. And they don't do like, they're not like one or two like YouTube. It's literally six ads. You know what? I'm. We love TLC. I don't know why you're shitting all over. This because they give me with us joy. Mm. All right, 
final couple that was my favorite. They were in season seven, so the latest season. Um, it's Anna and Marcel. I don't. You have no idea who these people are. Um, Marcel French. No. Oh. I think this couple has the cutest, cutest meeting story ever. Are you ready for this? Was it truly? It's so cute. cute. She was single. She has three sons. He was single. They're 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 both. Did he kinda, have three daughters? No, it's not the Brady oh, Bunch. Oh, well, I'll look <laughs> backwards, both, Brady Bunch. They're both kind of older. I think they're either like mid thirties or late thirties, but they both seem to have like really good heads on their shoulders, which is not something you can say for a lot of people on Ninety Day Fiance. Um, they met. They met in a social media group for beekeepers because they're both beekeepers. Oh. How? You. Look at my shirt. <laughs> Your I have bees? a bee shirt. Yeah, on. It, that's so cute, right? And so oh. they're saving. They're saving the bees. They're out here saving the oh bees, my God. and they're falling love in love. It. The only thing about this couple was that Marcel is he lived in Turkey, and he didn't really speak English that well. So I'm guessing. I don't know if this is accurate, but I'm guessing when they were in the social media group, he was kind of using like a Google Translate thing, which mm-hmm. is fine. Um, but when they met in person, they had a super large language barrier and they had to still use Google Translate to talk. Does he speak? And this is me not trying to be funny. This is me not being super versed, I guess. But do people from Turkey speak Turkish or do they have multiple languages? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. I think he speaks Turkish. Okay. Not I was just curious. So they met in person. There was still a large language barrier, but they were still, I mean, getting along pretty well. And he even got along with her three sons, which at first it was a little awkward because it always is when you meet, you know, your parents' new person. But they still How they ended up. How old are her sons? Um, they're all pretty young. I think the oldest was like mid-teens. And then, okay. you know, it, it, they were all like still in school and still in the house and stuff. Um, but the hiccup here is that um, his family back in Turkey didn't know about her three sons and they didn't believe in marrying people who already had children and were divorced and it was like a children out of wedlock kind of thing. Oh, um, she was so with child. Okay. Yeah. So Anna told Marcel that they could not get married unless he told his family the truth because she just wouldn't feel great about it. Um, and he was like, no, I don't want to tell them because they're just going to tell me to come back home and Eventually, he did tell them, and it was super sad and depressing, and they were like, well, you got to come home. You can't marry her. And so, because of the culture he lived in, he went back home. (gasps) No. But, wait for it, in true rom-com fashion, he came came back to America within the 90 days, and they got married. Oh, my God. So now, they're just living happily ever after as beekeepers. And Yay. they're learning each other's languages and it's beautiful. And they have bees. And they have bees. They go beekeep together. So excited for the bees of them. What a good hat. Look at that. You know what? Maybe I was wrong. <laughs> Maybe That's a happy wrong. story. Right, that was a happy so story. All right. So those are some of my favorite couples. And I think I thought it would be cool now to talk about some same sex couples because there have surprise, surprise, there has not been a lot on. 90 Day Fiance. <laughs> what? Shocking. So, I mean, on the actual show, 90 Day Fiance, there have been no same-sex couples, which is sad. And I think it'll change soon. Um, but on one of the many spinoffs, there have been two same-sex couples so far. And you actually know of one because we watched before the 90 Days together. Oh, um, yeah, I do. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking about. The first female... 
The first female same-sex couple was Stephanie and Erica, um, and they both identified as bisexual. So whoop whoop, bisexual pride there. And I love before they met, like they were talking online and they were like super cute talking online. I think Stephanie's kind of a YouTuber. I don't really know. I haven't looked into her that much. But TLC pink hair. No, that's Erica. Oh, Erica and her beautiful accent. Yes, we love Erica. We stay in Erica. Sorry, Stephanie. You were cool too, but like Listen, I only watched like two episodes, but <laughs> I got the gist of their relationship from those two episodes and opinions. Yeah. So when they talked online, when I first saw them, I was like, oh my God, they're so cute. Stephanie is gorgeous. Erica's gorgeous. And I was like, oh my God, they are so cute. Cut that out, cute. Cassie. Cut out that noise I just made, please. <laughs> I cut can't. it out. I can't. She's going to know. Oh God. <laughs> they're both. They're just both stinking adorable. Yeah, they're beautiful. Um, But then when they met in person, as you saw, um, their whole relationship was like a fucking nightmare. Like, Stephanie had some trust issues going on and Erica was like, why won't you hold my hand? And it was just like a thing. And so before the 90 days is the, is the spinoff they were on and they kind of broke up. So I don't think they're going to be on 90 Day Fiance, the actual show, which sucks. Yeah, yeah, that kind of does suck. But um, we also have the first male same-sex couple. Oh, that's exciting. Cute. Um, and it's in the season of... Uh, 90 Day Fiance The Other Way, which is a spinoff, and it just premiered like last month. So they this is a brand new couple. Um, and they're Kenneth and Armando, and so far they're super cute. Kenneth now that's a fucking name, Armando. Yeah, okay. Kenneth, Kenneth is from America. Armando lives in Mexico. They're so freaking cute. And um, so far they're a fan favorite. So everyone watching, even like the people on Pillow Talk are like, oh my God, they're so freaking cute. So who knows if things will work out for them, but I really hope it does because I think they're so cute. Well, that's very, that's nice. I mean, it's good that, you know, TLC, I mean, TLC, I will give them credit. They are pretty, pretty inclusive, you know, so that's nice. I do appreciate that. I mean, you know, they have shows like, you know, for me talking so much shit, they do have shows like I Am Jazz, which does give, you know, rise to a lot of trans issues. And then, you know, that they're having same sex couples and they even have bisexual people, which, you know, is a category of people that is a lot of times largely ignored just because it's one of the lesser, I don't want to say accepted, but it's just one of those things that, you know, it's not talked about as much. So I just think that's, that's pretty cool. All right. So I promised you some hot gossip, didn't I? Hot goss. Let's go. We're going to talk about the couple with the biggest age gap. Oh, (laughs) oh, oh God. Is it the one who it's the girl who says she's an age, but we all know she's not that age. No. Oh man. I don't I don't know what they're talking about. Yeah. No, the one on this one, the one with uh what's her face and creepy oh, trench coat man. Yeah, no, no, that's not. Oh man, I was real excited. The couple with the biggest age gap that has been on 90 Day Fiance, the first OG show, um, is Mark and Nikki. Okay, Cassie, tell me that. Tell me that hot age gap. What was it? Mark met Nikki online and they begin dating. Classic 90 okay. Day Fiance. Love story. I mean, you got to start dating to be on the show, I think. Right. Mark lived in Baltimore, Maryland. Nikki okay. lived <laughs> Nikki lived in Cebu City, C E B U, Cebu, Cebu. And that where, where is that? That's in the Philippines. Oh, okay, okay. Cool, cool. So, at the time of filming, Mark was 58. 58 years old. Okay, that's that's old, but not too terribly right, old. Right, you can still find love. Yeah, like, you're still 
around. Great, yeah. Um, 50s are the new 40s. Absolutely. Yeah. Nikki was 19. I guess. Oh, man, I wanted to guess. I was going to say 17, but that's illegal. That's illegal? What is wrong with you? (laughs) No, no. (laughs) No, Nikki was 19, and that makes them a whopping 39 years apart. So if you stop and think about this, Mark was 39 when Nikki was born, and now they're getting married. That is, you know... um, So here's the thing. like, Not to be judgmental. (laughs) and (laughs) I'll get to it. (laughs) <laughs> just not to be judgmental and you know i i like me some older guys but that see she got a real problem with that it. that is gross <laughs> i'm so sorry but that's <laughs> disgusting he could I be her grandfather to... i'm trying not People to were judge young but you're right probably, yes he could probably you're be her right. great grandfather i don't know it, it is not typical no that's for sure so to make matters worse mark had four children who were all older, older? than Nikki. Oh, God. So, okay, I'm listening. <laughs> as, uh, Please tell you. me that they wanted her them to call her mom. <laughs> well, you may call me... What is her name? Nikki. Oh, oh it's so close to Vicky. To Vicky. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> you you make may a call me Aunt Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. That's uh, amazing. Okay. So as a fan of 90 Day Fiance, as I am, the, I mean, the details of their relationship aren't that different from a lot of people on there aside from the really large age gap um but so here are some some details that i think are interesting to the story mark's first wife was also from the philippines oh that is interesting i you know we all have our type he clearly what happened to her well they got divorced (laughs) okay well at least she didn't die mysteriously but so the thing is he he exactly the way he met nikki he met her I guess online, maybe he went over there. I'm not sure of the time, but she came over here. He like bought her a sports car. Mark, Mark is pretty rich. Let's spoilers. Does he trade him in for a younger model? Is that what's right. going on here? I'll just, I'm going to continue my story. I'm um, sorry. So Mark, uh, when Nikki got over here and before they got married, he asked Nick, Nikki to sign a prenup because <clears> as I said, he's pretty rich and he is, I'll give him this a little bit of credit. He is one of those men who did not lie about how rich he was. He was like, I'm rich. She got over here and she was like, yeah, he's rich. But a lot of men on the show will be like, yeah, I'm a rich American man. And then they come over here and they live in... um, With their mom. Yeah. So... (laughs) Nevada. Wow. Calling out Colt. I see. I mean... So, see, you're kind of a little fan of the show. You're like... I'm not a fan. I know enough to conversationally (laughs) talk about it. Oh. That's all from like um uh shows where they show clips yeah okay question so mm-hmm. this actually is very pertinent to what you just said if she were to sign this prenup would that then null and void the um requirement that he would have to support her for a decade even if they got divorced and separated i don't think so so I he would still he- be responsible for her yeah it's just she wouldn't get you know, the argument, I've grown accustomed to a certain kind of lifestyle. She wouldn't get that kind of money. <laughs> well, I was about to say, is it one of those things where it's going to be based on how much that individual makes? Or is it based solely on just supporting that person so they can live? I assume it's supporting them so they can live and, huh. um, you know, tax stuff and things like that. 
their whole story had like tons of drama in it. Um, his kids were super uncomfortable with everything, as I think most kids would be. Um, but when I was researching for this, I found out something new about this story that I didn't know. Mark and Nikki had the audacity to sue TLC. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. They sued TLC saying that they had broken promises such as um, the show is just a documentary that is not scripted or staged and no one is forced to say anything. So their claim was that reality TV is not reality. <laughs> Oh, my God. Notified the church. But the lawsuit was dismissed, so I'm going to live in the lie a little bit longer that everything on 90 Day Fiancé is actually how it actually happened. I mean, that takes some balls, man, to go up against TLC. He's a rich man. He ain't that rich. TLC got all that money. Well, that's probably why it was dismissed. I doubt they had any leg to stand on with what with TLC's contracts and all, but yeah, probably TLC was like, do you, did you look at page 217 of your contract? It clearly says that we can make you do whatever the fuck we want. You sold your soul <laughs> to us. So it's when I said earlier, possibly five out of five or six out of five are still together. I was talking about Mark and Nikki because it's unknown if these two are still together. They don't post on social media. Um, and they're not in any of like the updates or anything on the show, probably because they sued. Well, yeah. <laughs> so who knows if they're still married? We don't know. So they they did get married, though. They did get married. And she signed the prenup. She did. Hmm. So now we're going to move on to some scandals. Oh my gosh! There's more. Oh, there's so much more. Oh Jesus! Eight. <laughs> I so, thought we were done. No, we are not done. You rambled for an hour about dinosaurs. You get what you, you know. rambled for an hour. <laughs> Our first scandal is George and Anfisa. That is also a fucking name. I'm digging these names. <laughs> so apparently I'm going to have kids named Armaldo and Anfisa. Armando. Oh, Armando. What did I say? Armaldo. Armaldo. <laughs> oh, yeah. that's Armando is much better than Armando. Okay. Wait. I just said the same name. Twice. All right. Anyway, George and Anfisa. tell me. Their relationship was so toxic. He was oh, clear, no. he was clearly one of these men that I just talked about who was like, yeah, girl, come over here. I got tons of money. I'll take care of you. And then who knows if he actually made a good living or not. But she got over here and she was like, I want some Chanel bags. I want you to buy me this house. I want all these designer things. And he was like, no. So where is Anfisa from? She is from Russia. Okay. So, Yay. This couple did get married, even though it was very clear that Anfisa was only over here for, you know, money. But they they I mean, did. Maybe she was just trying to escape, like, communistic Russia. Could be that, too. Who knows? They did get married. But here's where the scandal comes in. Like, it, <sighs> toxic relationships aren't a scandal. They're a 90-day fiancé staple. The scandal comes in when George got arrested in February of 2018 because he was transporting 293 pounds of marijuana. Jesus. That, like, that's listen. a lot of weed. My I'm, God. Exactly. I'm not against marijuana, but good God, that's a lot. I mean, I guess it could be worse. It could have been like Coke or something, but. True. But he was God. caught and arrested, and he was sentenced to two and a half years in prison. And, and because they were married, and Fisa was like, I'm going to stay by his side. And then do you want to guess what happened? She took all his money and ran. <laughs> she jumped ship and started dating someone else. <laughs> I mean, how old is this guy? 
well, they were in season four. Uh-huh. So I'm not exactly sure what year that aired, but at the time she was 20 and he was 27. So they're about seven years apart. Oh, that's not bad. Okay. Yeah. So, so they're pretty comparable in age. Yeah. But I mean, that happened in 2018 and then George was released of May of this year. So he's out now, but he is a single boy. Our next scandal is Angela and Michael. Now, here's the thing. I There are lots of videos about like 90 Day Fiance scandals and they're not in it. But this moment in reality TV just made me cringe so hard that I put it on scandals. Oh my God, I'm so excited. Tell me about it. So Angela is a character, okay? She is like a loud and proud middle-aged white woman. <laughs> Which no so- hate. <laughs> okay but their whole relationship was built on lies and yelling from like the very beginning so um who was lying both of them <gasps> they both lied about everything so michael lives in nigeria um and he and his family made it clear that whoever michael marries they want to have kids right that's like a thing people do yeah angela is 53 though so she probably ain't having any kids. The baby no. factory's probably done. Yeah, and like she's been on some update um spin-offs and it's kind of clear that she's probably not going to get pregnant because of her age, but here's where I put the scandal in, okay? Angela, she has kids already, but she asked her daughter who's like probably mid 20s. She was like, "Listen, if you'll give me an egg, I'll carry it and then, you know, it'll be Michael's child." Oh. No, right? That's so weird. That's so weird. So she would be the mom, but also the stepsister? Yes. Thank you. That's so weird. Anyway, the daughter said no. I just thought that was like a cringy moment, but maybe some people do that. I just think it's very weird. So our next scandal, we have two more. I know you're, you're just enjoying all of these. Oh, I'm loving every second scandal. Our next scandal is Muhammad and Danielle. And... I'm going to call their whole relationship a scandal <laughs> because okay. um, Muhammad was 26 and Danielle was 41. Oh, obvious age gap. And this was at the time of filming. So they're a little bit older now. I think they were one of the earlier couples. Um, and they also, again, were another couple that just like lied to each other about everything. Um, like, why are you going to lie to somebody on fucking national television? Well, here's OK. So here's my theory. Danielle was clearly, like, lonely and wanted someone, right? Mm-hmm. Muhammad probably wanted a better lifestyle than he fair, was living in. So they probably were both like, I'm going to lie to this person so Danielle can have someone and Muhammad can come over here. That's my theory. But here's where <laughs> real big scandal comes in. They have these things at the end of each season called tell-alls. And it's where the people come on and they tell all, they spill all the tea pretty much. Oh, man, Um, that's some piping hot tea. Muhammad came on there and claimed that Danielle would scream and throw tantrums if he wouldn't have sex with her. (laughs) (laughs) So that's problematic at its best, right? I think it's glorious. That's amazing. I mean, she should probably. Stop asking if you keep saying no, I guess. I mean, listen, who knows if that is true because I don't know why we would trust Muhammad because in the end, he ended up cheating on her a lot. And then as soon as he got his green card, he dipped out. He was like, bye, I'm out of here. 
All right, our last scandal, which you brought up earlier, surprising enough, is Colt and Larissa. Oh, yeah. So this couple got married in 2018. Um, so I thought I'd just give you a little background on their relationship because I know you're dying to hear it. They spent a grand total of 11 days in person together before <laughs> he proposed. He, he went to see her in Brazil. She's from Brazil. Yeah, unfortunately, their marriage only lasted for six months. And, you know, during those six, mo- six months, Larissa was charged with misdemeanor domestic violence because she got a little angry one night and Colt or his mother called the police. I'm not sure. But here's the thing. And I'm not condoning it. Obviously, what she did was wrong. But Colt lives with his mom and their cats. And he's clearly like a mama's boy. Mm-hmm. And I doubt that was um what she knew when she came over here so i can understand why she would be frustrated but obviously i don't think she should have gotten that frustrated but um two two days after larissa was charged with uh domestic violence colt filed for divorce (laughs) he was like bye bye bitch uh so larissa she ended up having the charges dropped on her which is cool i guess um but Obviously, they split up because Colt filed for divorce, but Larissa has gone on to have so much plastic surgery, um, and she's dating someone new, so good for her. I don't know. She's still over here, Um, and Colt continues to date and look for other Brazilian women because that's his type, and he still lives with his mom. I'm sorry. Middle-aged, balding, white dude, his type is Brazilian? Yes. Hmm. (laughs) There are follow-up spinoff shows where he... Either has or had a new Brazilian girlfriend. So, all right. So, we've talked about the show. We talked about my favorite couples. We talked about scandals. Now it's time to cover your favorite topic spinoffs. Oh, God. I think this show, I didn't look it up, probably could, but I didn't. I, this has to be one of the shows with the most spinoffs. It has eight spinoffs from the original 90 Day Fiance. Oh, can I guess what they are? No. rude it's like a fun game so the first one we have which you've watched is 90 day fiance before the 90 days this one follows um prospective couples as they're still chatting and meeting in person and this is all before they even apply for the k-1 visa so it's just like a prequel to 90 day fiance then we got the sequel to 90 day fiance which is 90 day fiance happily ever after question mark and this follows around couples that were on 90 Day Fiance and got married. So it's like, well, they, they're together, but are they happy? Question, you got to watch. Then we have 90 Day Fiance, what now? Question mark. And this is very similar to Happily Ever After, but these are couples that didn't get married. So it's like, we didn't get married. What happens now? Please watch our show. <laughs> All right. So then we have 90 Day Fiance Pillow Talk, which is my favorite spinoff, but it's ridiculous. So this show is where you watch couples that have been on the show previously. You watch them watch new episodes of 90 Day Fiance. And and roast everyone. Yeah, you watch them comment on it. So you're watching them watch it. So it's very meta. It's really similar to that show Gogglebox. I don't know if you've seen it. It's like an Australian. It it originated in Australia. But it's just like like families at home watching TV. But you watch TV with them. And it's kind of cool. So, But yeah, I love Pillow Talk. And it's... Sometimes I'll just watch Pillow Talk instead of watching the new episodes because you're basically watching the episode too. Then we have the fifth spinoff, 90 Day Fiance the Other Way. Do you what what do you think the other way is about? <laughs> if I had to take a stab, I would say it's when 
Americans are trying to immigrate into other countries because they fell in love with someone who doesn't want to leave their home country. Correct. It's 90 Day Fiance, but reversed. Uh, so the sixth spinoff is called The Family Chantel. Chantel? It follows one couple specifically. Oh! Oh, oh my God. Yes. I do know. That's the one where Dude Man got in a fight with like her entire family and like it was a big deal and everyone was crying and then yeah. yeah. Can you imagine why TLC wanted to give them their own show? I mean... <laughs> so this couple's from season four. It's Chantel and Pedro. Like you said, their whole family got into huge like physical fights all the time and I'm just not really interested in this couple, so I haven't even seen that show, which is the only spinoff I haven't seen. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, I don't know what that says. Um, and then more recently, you know, you got to have TLC, um, I don't know, making money in the times. We have 90 Day Fiance self-quarantined. So this obviously just happened this year with the pandemic, but it documents couples or people that have been on the show while they're staying at home. And the only cool thing I can say about this is there's not like a camera crew there, obviously. So it's it's like a vlog. It's like a YouTube style vlog, but they put it on TV and it's just, yeah, that that's what that one is. Which I, I've only watched a few episodes of that one. It's kind of boring. And obviously, if you want to stop thinking about the pandemic for a minute, that is not a way to do it. <laughs> I mean, trigger warning. Yeah. And then the most recent spinoff, I did not even know this was one until I started researching this. Okay. This is called B90 Strikes Back. <laughs> no. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> is that a workout program? Right? It sounds okay. So I didn't know what this was. Um, I did see it on TLC's website one day and I was like, what is this? But there was like no explanation for it. And then I went on the Wikipedia page and there wasn't an explanation for it. And I was like, what? What is happening? And then they finally put out their first episode, and I'm gonna read you the synopsis word for word, okay? Mm-hmm. Couples from before the 90 days relive their biggest moments, respond to social media critics and pillow talkers, all while revealing juicy extras. So at this point, this is getting so ridiculous, okay? So we're watching people watch themselves, comment on people who are commenting on them while they are watching them. So it's basically like it's a clapback video. Yeah, it's it's huh. you watching pillow talk and then pillow talk is watching. It's so dumb. It's so did, ridiculous. Did you watch an episode of this? I was about to say, you know, what's also ridiculous is that I watched it. <laughs> okay. So is it like a thing where like, they're like, hold on, pause it there. And then they're like, blah, blah, blah. Oh God. Yeah. yeah they'll pull up things no. from Twitter and. That's yeah. amazing. That's yeah. It's, TLC has some witchcraft on me and thousands of other people that I will probably watch any any spinoff from 90 Day Fiance at this point because like that one's so dumb, but I still watch it because I was like, I want to know what they say about what people are saying about them. <laughs> so dumb. It is so dumb. I agree. <laughs> so there you go. I'm done. Now you're all caught up on the wonderful show oh, of 90 God. Day Fiance. Don't yawn during my conclusion. <laughs> So, Tyler, if you or anyone else is interested, there are, are a lot, I mean, a lot of these people on the website Cameo where you can pay to get a video from them. They probably need the money. But if you love the show, get a Cameo. <laughs> Why would I ever want that? You know, I have birthdays and things, so. I'm going to get baby girl Jessica. And Lisa. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Also, I do want to shout out Jennifer and Mike, who are my cousins, your sister and her husband. But 
They <laughs> have been super big supporters of me and my 90 day fiance journey. And Her addiction. They love it just as much as I do. So next week we'll be on an episode of Intervention where all three of them are featured for their addiction. No. Also, since we're talking about TLC shows, My Strange Addiction, that shit's cray and I love it. What? That won't be a topic for me then since you love it. My my job is to torture you. And I hope I successfully did that with my long story about 90 Day Fiance. I still feel like I won with the amount of torture I instilled on you about dinosaurs. But I mean, that was pretty torturous, not going to lie. It was a roller coaster because every time I thought, oh, yeah, we're done. Nope. Yeah. No, I know. <laughs> well, I will say that I do have a little bit more... I don't want to say respect because it doesn't feel like the right word. But now that you've told me all that and, you know, if you're I'm not going to math for you, but your 71 percent of couples are still together. That's pretty good and a lot higher than I would have ever expected. So, you know, maybe I was wrong. Maybe some of those people do actually get on there to find lasting relationships and aren't just in it for, you know, bad reasons. Yeah, I think when I was doing this, it reminded me of like early American Idol. I know that sounds weird, but you remember early American Idol where it was like you had really good, talented people on there and then you had people that specifically were allowed to audition to make fun of them? Yes. American Idol doesn't really do that anymore, but this is what it reminded me of. Like you have really good, genuine couples on there sometimes and then you have couples that are specifically there for the drama and, you know, probably have orchestrated some of the lies and things like that. So, all right. Well, that's our first episode. Oh my God, Cassie, it's two and a half hours. It's probably going to be really poorly edited, but I'm going to try and we're going to get better. We're going to get better at writing our essays and we're going to get better at editing and everything's going to get better, but we got to And obviously somewhere. we're going to um, uh, try and cut back some of our information because I really thought that I was not going to have enough information to talk and then I rambled on for goddamn near an hour. So um, uh, yeah, so thanks for listening, guys. I mean... We're so glad to have you here. Um, If you liked our podcast or even if you didn't really like it, give us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. Yeah. And also, we have Twitter and Instagram, and we're at WeAre2Haters. So if you want to follow us, that'd be cool, too. Yeah, I think so. I think that's it. All right. Well, (laughs) we don't know how to end it yet, so we're just going to say... Hasta luego. Bye.